Thanks so much for coming on the show, Ed. Not a problem. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's a real pleasure. I guess what I want to start off with, just a very uh, a simple but straightforward question. You are a former heavyweight boxer. So I think one thing that would be interesting for people to hear is um, what are some lessons from the boxing ring that you've carried with you into your everyday life? Um, you know, fighting is a is a really miserable thing. And I, and I wish people really understood that. There, there's this really weird point where you're not, you're not doing it because it's cool and you're not doing it because you make money. You're, you're stuck in this weird middle. Mm. And, and being able to work through that and really fall in love with a process, not a, an outcome, that mm. is a really big lesson. I mean, mm. like I don't, I don't know if I could come up with any bigger lesson than that. I mean, there are, there are a few. I mean, I try to talk about a lot, a lot of the things that, that I experienced and learned in fighting, but, but I'll tell you this, man. Like, you, you learn that it doesn't really matter if you're in pain. It doesn't really matter if you got rent due or something like that. You, you have to pull your entire being and focus it on the opponent in front of you. Otherwise, it's it's wasted time because you'll just get hurt and lose. You'd be better off not doing it. But if you accept that this is what you want to do, then that's mm. just part of the game. you got to stay focused and you have to, to approach it with this focus. If you have yeah. that focus, life is going to be very good for you. If you don't, uh, you know... Boxing has got a great negative feedback mechanism. You don't you don't make the same mistake twice, and you don't and you definitely don't make it a third time. You won't survive. Yeah. yeah. So uh, that that seriousness of approach is something that is it's it's just you can't get it really anywhere else. I think mm. uh, if there are, there aren't other places, yes, there are other places where you can develop you know a disciplined approach. But there, there. I don't think there's anywhere outside of fighting sports where you can maybe like com, um, special forces training, where yeah. you where you pay a very real visceral price for making a mistake, and that gives you a really new respect for humans as well. Right, right. I think. I mean, there's, there's a couple of things there. Uh, you talked about the process. I was reading. Um, What's the book? Uh, oh, the subtle art of not giving a fuck. Uh, the Mark Manson book, you know, like the airport book everyone has around. Yeah. And one of the points in there, it's like a pop psychology book. Um, one of the points in there was, you know, life is always gonna be hard, or you know, for whatever reason, like um, people are upset because they're single. People are upset because they're in a relationship. People have money problems because they don't have any money. People have money problems when they have too much money. Um, and the idea is like, there's always, it's always going to be a struggle. So just like choosing to really devote yourself to something. It's like the, it's like the Greek process of like eudaimonia, you know, like being yeah. fulfilled. It's not fun, you know, fucking jumping rope in the gym right. all the time. Yeah. And, and I wish people understood that, that, it, that life is, I think one of the greatest mistakes we've made in this generation is that we, we think life is about feeling good. Right. Life is about avoiding pain, right? No, yeah. that, that is not life. Mm. Like, like think about most of society. 
or not most of society, most of our time on this planet. It was not spent in air conditioning with food immediately immediately at the ready. And Sitting hygiene. in these comfortable chairs. Yeah, yeah like, like this is a very new thing, and we are yeah. not designed for it, you know? No, yeah. You're, you're one. I mean, it's yeah. Mark Manson's point was like, pick your heart. You know, right. Whatever you're gonna do, it's gonna be fucking difficult. Like, if um, it's worthwhile, it will be. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think boxing is is such a good example because it's like, it does. It hurts all the time. You're constantly pushing your body to physical limits. The other, the other thing, uh, you know, you, you alluded to before is that there's that instant feedback loop, um, and it's like. You don't you don't want to make the same mistake twice because you could get very seriously injured. But a lot of people today, um, in my opinion, anyway, uh, whatever that's worth, uh, <laughs> sort of we don't like to learn from our mistakes. People go out, you know, get hammered, do drugs, whatever, do something stupid, yep. and then what's the solution? Is like hair of the dog, start drinking again. Um, or, uh, you know, people work, work on jobs they hate, or they stay in relationships that they shouldn't be staying in. Um, and it's sort of, it's sort of like, you know, cognitive dissonance reduction. You're waiting in line outside the Apple store at two o'clock in the morning or whatever, <laughs> and you're waiting and waiting and waiting. And you're like, I can't get out of line. I already waited two hours. It's like, no, well, get the fuck out of line if you don't want to be there. <laughs> right. Know? And and here's the here's my thought process is is it goes towards this choose your heart or whatever anything worth doing is is going to be unpleasant i would even argue that that unpleasantness is a is a feature not a bug and that's what really weeds out a lot of people from wanting it cuz cuz i really believe that like <clears throat> If you, let's say there was like this genie and he, he showed up and he was like, yeah, I'm going to give you everything you want. All you got to do is starve, suffer, and deal with a bunch of people dying. Uh, mm. Maybe you lose your leg or something. But you got to go through this for seven years. Let's, let's say seven mm. years, right? So you, so you have to put up with immense pain, struggle, and you still got to work for it. But I'm going to make it easy. I'm going to make it easier. You won't have to work as hard, but you're going to get it. I still think it would, that that pain and that that misery it's going to turn a lot of people off. I mean, we live in we live in the instant gratification era, mm. and I think one of the one of the best things that happened Tommy was I had no control over is is being born a millennial, mm. and not a younger millennial, you know, an older one because I know the old world <laughs> for mm. lack of a better term, yeah. you know. We're the last generation of children who who couldn't look things up immediately, yeah. and you straddle the two. You straddle, yeah, you know, and and we had to take risk, and there was and things weren't quick. If you missed something, you missed it. There was, I mean, I think about now, like like I talk about Game of Thrones a lot in this regard. There'll yeah. never be another Game of Thrones for better or worse, uh, because. No one's trying to sit and wait every week. Like, right. like shows can't do that. I mean, they, some of them try, but they just can't. Because yeah. we've gotten so used to things coming quick, things coming easy. And mm. that can't, well, not can't, it's not good for your ethic and the way you approach things. One yeah. of the great things about fighting is 
is, I mean, it, it, there's just no way to become good quickly. I mean, even if you're super talented, you're still going to go out there and put in a lot of amateur fights to hone it, it because you don't, because you still, fighting is, is so many things at once that even, even a true great talent is just athletic. You still got to go out mm. there and like calm his mind down train his mind to react to things. I guess there's two different things. His neurosystem uh, to react to things, keep his temperament calm, be able to move under pressure, train his body to, to exert itself uh, very at a very high level over a long period of time. All of those yeah. things, that's, that's hard and long. And, and it's mm. not fun. I mean, I, dude, I hated training. <laughs> um, I mean, training, I, I like the result of training and I, I like yeah. losing my mind and and um like the the patterns and and seeing myself improve but yeah. but i found things to love mm. about it because because when you look like we look at the the way fighting is set up i'm gonna train for 40 to 50 hours a week i mean and that's not an exaggeration okay and what am i doing it for for a fight that if i do my job shouldn't last more than 20 maybe 30 minutes it's a hard, it's hard, man. Yeah. You don't see the results. Every day is miserable. You, you hate, and dude, I didn't even have to go to the dieting part. I wouldn't, I don't even, yeah. I was a heavyweight. So yeah. I don't, I don't even know what that would be like. That would yeah. probably be uh, just as miserable, if not yeah. more miserable. <laughs> it's, it's not, it's not glamorous. It's not, you know, it's not like you, you watch the movies, Rocky or Creed or whatever, and people think. You know, or it, nothing is glamorous, though. Um, no. no one who's really successful at what they do lives nearly as much of a glamorous life as as one would think. Because the truth is, people who produce something cool, something unique, or who are doing something cool and unique, bust their asses for it. Some people are luckier than yes. others. Some some people start life on third base. But at the end of the day, like. Um, you got, you know, you, you, you got to grind. And it's about, I mean, you said this, like, um, it's about having a sense of purpose. It's not about instant gratification. It's not about just, you know, someone had in their bio the other day, the only pain I want in my life is champagne. That's ridiculous. <laughs> I, yeah. I do, I've never heard yeah. that before. No, it's funny, but like, no. I fundamentally disagree with that, even as a joke, because, like, you need pain. You want, I, I want to be in pain, like, you know, in order, not as a masochist, but like yeah. in order to be advancing whatever I'm working on, like um, well, that sense of fulfillment of, of being in like a flow state, you know, of being just like working towards something, building something. Yeah, um, you know what's yeah. up? What, what that, but the, there's no way. That's the thing. This is why I like competition. And, and you'll, notice, you'll, you'll notice that that I think one of the things... Um, I wish there was another word for them, but they're just the left. Uh, one of the things that, that is very big now in that line of thinking is, mm. is eliminating these these demarcations of competition, whether it be body positivity or, or you know, the tax the rich. They, all these ways... Equality to, of outcome. Yeah, they want equality of equality of outcome. outcome not equality of, of opportunity, yeah. right? And and I think a lot of that does come down to wanting to avoid pain. Like, like it's very hard for the average person to imagine. Like, I, I can't imagine 
uh, and, and I guess technically I have more money than the average person. Uh, I can't imagine what it's like to have a million dollars or a billion yeah. dollars, but I know what it's like to work for money. Like, yeah. so I'd never be like, let me go take that guy's money and tax him. Like, nah, as I, I look at it, I have the complete opposite reaction. I'm like, wow, if you're able to make a billion dollars and give all these people jobs, you know, maybe we should just leave you alone. Like, you won. No tax for you. That's your reward. Like, <laughs> that, that's my thought, right? I think the idea is that the uh, the people who promulgate these ideas are, they, they don't just want it for themselves. They want, it's, it's like, I want everyone to change how, it's like asking the rest of society to change how they think or how they feel to accommodate an extreme you know an extreme minority it, 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 particularly on the on the, the the body positivity thing it's like i'm not wrong for being obese the rest of society Boy. is wrong for making me feel bad for being obese it's like no but one of one of the i was talking with um you know zuby he's a he's a rapper yeah i, was, I, know zuby. Yeah, I was talking with zuby the other day um on the on the podcast that episode's not out yet um and one of the things he, you know, he wrote this book on like weightlifting, um, and one of the things I sort of went off about or went on a little tangent about was that um, it's not that like a lot of people's problems in life could be solved if they just went to the fucking gym, make oh, your bed, so make, true. make your bed in the morning, <laughs> and go to the gym. You don't need gender reassignment surgery. You probably, you probably don't need, you know, to take all kinds of pills for depression you probably don't need to you know ask the rest of society to bend over backwards to fit your beauty standards you need to take care of yourself and you know like tend to your own garden take care of what's in your space it's it's a profoundly selfish and narcissistic thing to do to ask the rest of the world to change, you know, whatever what the benchmark is, um, so that you can feel good. As you said earlier, it's not about feeling good. You shouldn't feel good. I I've been overweight. I you know what? A couple weeks ago, I I, I gained five or ten pounds because I was I was drinking and I was eating shit. I was eating a lot of hamburgers, pizza, whatever. And then you know I I, I go to the gym five days a week. But I was like, oh wow, like. I don't feel good. I don't like, you know, I don't, I don't feel great. I'm going to start doing a lot more cardio. I'm going to clean up my diet. Then you're not going to believe behold, this, right? Yeah. Lo and behold, I started feeling better. Like what a concept, you know? You know what's um, crazy, man? Look, I, I tell people all the time, if you want to like change or improve your life, the very first thing you should start doing is going to the gym. A hundred percent. Because it, a lot of people don't have, or I would say most people don't have experience watching something happen over the long term. Certainly not in the modern era. It's, it's not even a thing anymore. So when you go to the gym and you watch your body change, you see what's possible with applied effort over time if you're consistent, right? That's a good point. That's an and, excellent point. And not only do you see it, other people can see and react to it. So it starts changing your mind. Like like I think the last uh, you know battalion of hope or bastion of hope is are our athletes because mm. they fundamentally what I've been thinking about it it's like innate almost if 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 there was a way to put something in you that wasn't there before and call it innate ingrained it's ingrained 
in them the the value of consistency, which is just uh, sustained effort over time, and great point. emphasis great point. on the time part. Mm. And if you do that, a lot of things can change. Absolutely, absolutely. It's um, I mean, it's a philosophy for investing. You know, all these people want wanted to do these get rich quick schemes. Like, <laughs> yeah, they they do get rich quick schemes. Only work on, on the lazy. Like I'm convinced yeah. of it. There, there's a great song uh, a while ago by this, this British group called The Streets, and they it was called um, Honest John. And the, the the chorus goes, "You can't con an honest John, and honest John is hard to con." And and they they break down like why in the, in the lyrics, and pretty much what it comes down to is it's very hard to take advantage of truly honest people. Uh, Whenever you, whenever someone, so whenever someone is operating from, from a true sense of altruism or true sense of, of goodness as we'll call it, which is, uh, loosely defined as not, is, um, not an emphasis on self-interest. The other person is first or contributions to their, their, uh, surroundings or neighborhood or environment is first. Those people are hard to take advantage of. Because they're not trying to get anything, like mm. like you you don't have any leverage to lead them. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, when yeah. someone is trying to get over, when they're trying to quickly gain something, those are easy marks. They're easy targets. Greed is what makes almost every single person yeah, fall into a Ponzi sure. scheme or con con artistry. Yeah, it, it's not the people who like it, it's. Uh, no one is invested in, in the latest Ponzi scheme. Who's about like. Uh, saving orphans or some shit like they're like you know <laughs> are going out and giving money to the homeless because because their minds just don't work that way. Mm. I guess honesty and greed can coexist though. You can be greedy and honest, and ca- you, you, you certainly can be honest can. about the fact that you are greedy. Like you could just tell everyone, I, I don't care about anything but making money. Or I oh sure, know, but but think about what's gonna happen when you do that. Well, for starters, you're going to repel a lot of people you could work with. So it's not your best interest to, yeah, to do that way. It's like a Patrick Bateman <laughs> sociopath kind of. No, you're right. You're right. Yeah. So the guys who, the real con men, bullshit artists are always like, they end up entrapping themselves because they go for the shiny. Because they're all yeah. I, I understand what you're. I understand what you're saying. It seems they almost like sell themselves a little bit on the bullshit too. Like they. Oh, they, you have they, to. They know what, Yeah. You, yeah. you look. Hey, I, I I have an even an even deeper kind of belief about this. I think the most effective con people, uh, they 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 don't see themselves as bad. I think it would yeah, be very hard for yeah. For them I write men. Yeah, the greatest con, and I, I've written about this, um, the greatest con you can pull is to convince yourself that you're not a con man. Yeah, if you do that, then, you, then, then you're then you going to operate. I, I was trying to explain this to, to somebody, and, and young people, whatever, they, they're young. I mean, that's what it is, right? Um, that's me. <laughs> yeah. I, was, I was trying to explain. I was said that a person who has good intentions is almost always going to do the worst, the most damage. Mm. Or at least more damage than someone uh, who is operating. And this is a weird kind of paradox, right? Because we just talked about how greed makes you more susceptible to being conned and hustled. 
But there's another end to that, and I think this stuff must exist along a spectrum. Because if you have really good intentions, you start, you can justify a lot of bad shit. Like, if you think it's, and we see this, we actually see this modernly today. I really believe the people who think that the First Amendment in the United States is is yeah, a okay. bad idea. Mm. I really believe they're operating from a position of these what these words are being said or uh, people are inciting violence or bigotry or whatever through their words. The problem is that's so short-sighted that you have to be... You, you almost have to have good intentions in place of intelligence to think that's a good idea. Mm. I, I, you're preaching to the choir here, Ed. I, the, first, <laughs> the first column I wrote for Quillette was called... Noble Intentions, Counterproductive Results. And it, among other things, looked at approaches to metropolitan governance uh, in, in, in cities across America. And like these, these, the, you look at cities with high crime, low literacy, uh, high poverty rates in America, and a lot of them, uh, or some of them anyway, the cities that we're looking at, have been run by Democrats for like the last 50 years. Why is it that year in and year out, you know, people's lives aren't getting better, but they keep voting in the same the same people? It's like the intention. You want to help people. You want to lift people out of poverty. You know, that's a nice idea. Um, if you want to help people, the the short answer is hurt them. You know, well, yeah, the, well, <laughs> well, that's, that's the thing. I, Social I always... welfare, the cycles of dependence, the whole the whole thing. It's like it comes from a good place. I don't want to see, you know, guys in the street corner not able to afford rent. I don't want to see guys dropping out of high school, you know, getting into crime, whatever. But if you really want to help people, you can't just keep them, like, supplicant. Yeah. Um, it's an extreme way of looking at it, but you, you know what I don't, it's, it's not extreme, though. It, it's, all it is is it's looking more than one order of effect ahead, and people in general aren't intelligent enough to do that. So, yeah. so, so uh, here's a great example I, I often argue back with people who talk about uh, raising the minimum wage. I'm like, do you understand when you raise that, you're cutting off a section of people who would work or who could work and are worth that much, but now they're not worth that much and the employer doesn't deem it worth it worthwhile to, to make up the difference in what effectively would be a subsidy. So yeah. by raising the unemployment rate or unemployment wage, you over time contribute to fewer people working. And that's just a second order condition that no one, certainly not, at least not the proponents of yes. raising a minimum wage think of. Yes. And, I, and I go, you know, counterintuitively, if you really cared, because this is second order thinking and people are bad at that, if you really cared, you'd push for the abolition of the, 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 the abolishment of the minimum wage and, you'd be, mm. and, and just let skill and bidding wars sort it out. And yeah, it might hurt at first, but that is the only way people could be guaranteed a wage if everyone operated like a free agent. Mm. And and if you went and you didn't have the skill, you were out the market. You were out the, the labor market. I think, look, I agree with the spirit of what you're saying. I, <laughs> I, I, no, I don't know enough about, you know... You know, the federal minimum wage requirements and then based, you know, it, it's been different in different cities in America. But in general, like I agree with the, the spirit of what you're saying is like in the short term, you'll be called mean 
or and cool, yes. you'll probably be called racist or you'll be called something. You'll be called a lot of names, right? Um, but if you really want to help people, um, like, it's not about, you know, getting the credit for introducing this massive new, you know, uh, social welfare policy or tax hike or whatever, like, do take the mean approach, take the austerity yeah. approach, and, and be even, called mean, and then again, magically, wait a little bit of time, and people will be lifted out of poverty. Dude, check it out, and, and we don't even have to take this this idea and apply it to to policy. We can just look at it from a um, from an interpersonal relationship standpoint. Yeah, if if you notice someone is gaining weight. The, Sometimes, you know, I, I, there's no nice way to say, look, brother, you're getting a little fat. But you have to say it. Otherwise, you know, in the short term, don't feel better. In the long term, you're quite literally putting their health at risk. Mm. It's the same with an intervention. And we, we, and we can actually, we can actually, like, identify with that idea a little more easily. An intervention. If you find out, if you see your homies drinking a lot all of a sudden, you got to go, look, man, uh, you, you become a bit of a drunk. And yeah. and there's uh, we're worried about your drinking whatever. No, you got to keep it real one hundred and get right to the point. Ed, what um, what does stoicism mean to you? It means getting in between the stimulus and the response. What is okay? Break that. So, down. so I always tell people, it's not about controlling your emotions because that's really, in my opinion, at least, impossible. Sure. I, you know. You feel angry, you feel frustrated, or happy, or sad. That is a natural reaction. That's part of being human. You can't mm -hmm. shut that off. But you do have 100% control of what you do with it and how you respond to it. Yeah. So stoicism to me is the system of conditioning your responses to your emotions. And, and you know, that's, I guess, the most general way to put it. If we want to go one layer deeper, it's conditioning your responses to where the to where those responses do not impede your progress in life. Okay. So a lot of people when they get angry tend to do things that when they're not angry they're like, oh shit, that was a problem. Or yeah. even worse, you know, one of the things I had to figure out the way I grew up is, you know, just because somebody says something wild to you, you know, an uncalculated response can get you into a lot of trouble because now you got to deal with a fight with a person who doesn't yeah. give a shit. Think about the people in the road rage incidents we have here. At least, at least, at least two or three times a year, someone on the news and, and it always makes national news a road rage incident someone ends in shot. murder. Right. Yeah. But, and and think about what leads to a road rage incident is is someone does something. In another car. And you don't know why they... This is most of them. I'm not talking about the people that, like, you know, are blatantly thumb up the finger to somebody. But they do something, and you don't know what... You don't know their intention. All you know is how it made you feel. And you react to that feeling by, by honking a horn, chasing them, making them feel intimidated. So now they're like, what the hell is going on? So now they're reacting all freaked out. And their response is either going to be to do something wild, like speed off and put everyone else in danger, or stop and try and square up with you and see if you'll get out. It's it's insanity what happens. Like I'm 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 convinced that nothing good happens 
when you lose control of, your emo- of emotions. That's mm-hmm. not to say be emotionless. I never, ever promote that. I think emotions are a rich part of life. Without emotions, all your memories are just data points that hold that mean nothing, right? It, mm-hmm. it, it, it's like it's the difference between a sketch, um, a real life sketch, and an impressionist painting. Like your 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 emotions add something that makes it worthwhile to remember and experience in this life. But if you mm-hmm. let them be the driver, they're supposed to be in the passenger. They're supposed to be the passenger, I guess. Even better, I'll even take that analogy and say they're supposed to be the car. But they are not supposed to be the driver. And I think a lot of people make mistakes when they let the emotions sit in the driver's seat. Okay? So, stoicism is getting the emotions out the driver's seat. Mm. It's not to me. I I, I think my definition somewhat disagrees with the classical idea. But I'm not sure. But I do know that for me personally, I've always defined it. And operate it as if uh, my emotions don't matter. Right. Because they don't. That's not to say... Uh, and when I say they don't matter, uh, I'm not, they matter to me. And and perhaps they matter to someone who cares about me. But in the grand scheme of things, my emotions are insignificant. What matters is what I do uh, in the world. And if yeah. I... It's, it's like... I, I used to have an old joke I used to tell guys. I say, you know, marrying, while you're marrying out of love is the same as killing somebody out of anger. One day you might might be out of love or out of anger. You got to look back and go, oh, shit, I'm stuck. I'm still in prison, right? And that's a joke mostly. Uh, mostly. I, I, do, I do not believe in marrying just pure love. You should, like, look at their family and everything else. Like, do your research and everything. Uh, but but that's what it is to me. Just, just a control of your emotional reactions. That's a good... That's a good way of looking at things what about i mean the chief emotion you seem to be describing though is anger right some guy does something to you um and i've heard you talk about another podcast or youtube videos or whatever part of what you learned growing up was you couldn't just you know fly off the handle because you get up getting shot or stabbed or whatever yeah it, it, um, could, it could go badly and and the other guy as and you you point out the example of um the road rage thing you got no fucking idea what kind of day this person has had. And what the they wife, got... The wife, the wife could have just left them. The dog could have just died. You know, they could have just gotten fired. They, their, their co-worker could have just gotten a slightly larger raise. You have no idea. Everyone's, you know, fighting their own battles, going through their own shit. And you... I mean, the example you used was you step on the, the wrong guy's pair of shoes. You step on... You fucking bump... I was on the subway the other day. You bump into ten people, Right. Nine out of those ten people, no problem. And you bump into the one guy who's looking for a fight. And he's like, the fuck's your problem? And, yeah. and you can respond one of two ways. You can be like, the fuck's your problem back? Or you can be like, yo, my bad, man. Yeah. You know, How hard so, is that, too? <laughs> right. So stay out yeah. Um, and and you know what's cool? You know what's cool about, about you know, this, this brand of stoicism I practice? It makes you more empathetic. To people, and and I think that's where right. the real difference. Rather than just saying "fuck you," you're you're angry. You're no longer my friend. You know, it's yeah. like maybe you know someone that had a bad day. You you cut people a little more slack. It makes um, you so much more aware of the fact that people are not as strong as you. They are not practiced as much. And this is this is a nice analogy to kind of boxing. Uh, when I get in the ring with somebody to spar. 
I I generally know within ten seconds, maybe twenty, their level of ability. Right. Now it's up to me to decide what we're gonna do with that. Mm. If if their level of ability is equal to mine, that means I need to fight hard, but I'm not trying to kill them. Right? Yeah. If their level of ability is superior to mine, I I give myself the kind of green light to go all out because I shouldn't have an issue here and I need to do that to stay up. But if their level of, of ability is inferior to mine, then it, it's my responsibility as the better, more controlled fighter to not kill this guy. I need to use this to teach. And if you look at if you look at all your interactions with people as teaching lessons, and I really think they are, then when you start to practice my brand of stoicism, mm. you have to, it, it, it's it's automatic. You you start to see every little thing that happens is is a way to improve the world. Yeah, and 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 that's a weird way to think of it. I think because I, we we don't tend to think of not swinging on somebody that most people would swing on is making the world a better place. But but in reality, you know, what have, what have you done? Well, you, well, you've eliminated an entire timeline where maybe that person loses their freedom and, and their life, or you do, and all the people that are dependent on that person or you are affected by that and down the line. You also open up the possibility for them to calm down and reflect on it later without mm-hmm. having to deal with a, a, a punitive action. There's so much that you can do when you control your emotions. And if that control is driven by or at least supplemented by uh, a, 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 a connection, responsibility, and empathy for your fellow man, I, I just think it's a, it's a power to change the world. And that, that's, that's one of the reasons why it's kind of my site. I don't have any, any articles on my site purely mm. about stoicism. Yeah. I probably should do that, right, just from an SEO perspective. But but because for me it's 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 not about that it's about this general kind of responsibility for your emotions and I do have articles on that and if you take that and you apply it you you just you can do so much more than you think just by not fucking shit up yeah yeah <laughs> no it's a, it's a really good way of looking at the world is that um, you are in your own way making the world a little bit of a better place simply by putting a space between stimulus and reaction yep. a lot of people it's it's instant it's uh, mechanical uh, it's, that, it's, it's muscle back memory. to that instant instant gratification world where man yeah there's, there's another you know what's crazy like like and 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 i i do not claim to be perfect at this i'm always learning and but you are self-aware. Which self, is self-awareness is a, is, a, is a trait. That, you know, if you don't have self-awareness, you, you can only go so far, man. But once you get it, you, you're kind of limitless. At the very least, your limit becomes your lifespan. And yeah. is, is a point. <laughs> uh, but, but a lot of times, I, I've really been training myself lately because I, I don't like this quality in myself, so I want to remove it. Or mm. I will respond to stuff on on Facebook because of my Facebook audience the way Facebook the interface compared to Twitter I I pretty much don't see anything on Twitter like uh, it, but despite having all the followers I have and my activity on the on the, the platform I hardly see anything because I don't use it that way Facebook I have a bit more of a consumer relationship with 
So I'll yeah. see a thing and go to respond. But it's, I, I'm learning to just look and go, you know what? And, and this this kind of helps. Whatever whatever your tool is to help you do it, you should find it. But I'll look at somebody, say something, and I'll go, the best thing that I can do if I feel bad about this and I would like to retaliate is to remember that your thought process is going to cause you more harm than me. And just leave it be and go away. And it's worked pretty well. I, I had to delete something this morning. <laughs> but but uh, other than that, I, I'm, I'm moving pretty well because, and, and, the, and the better I get at it, it's like a muscle. You you keep working and keep working and pretty soon I won't even have to think about it. Mm-hmm. I'll just go, that, 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 that. Oh, this is funny. Let me add some humor. That's what I like to do on social media a mm-hmm. lot. If, if you're, I don't know which platform you follow me on, uh, but... Instagram. I, I, oh, so IG. So I, I don't I don't put as much humor on IG yet. I, I just put something in my stories where I was messing with somebody on uh, Facebook adding humor. But uh, I saw that. <laughs> oh, yeah, where the guy was talking about, you know. About being kids. in jail. Yeah, yeah, that thing, right? And you've seen the reactions. Like, I try to make people have a good time and laugh, you know. That's a, good, that's a great use of the platform to, to have a ball, man. A lot of people want to use it to argue and fight and antagonize, and I'm just like, dude, let's have a good time. And that, yeah. but I, but but that is getting in in the middle of my reaction, which is to look at all that stuff and feel like I have to agree or disagree with it. Mm. But I, I I really try to get in the middle of that reaction, and I go, let me make some people laugh or or use it to make money. In other words, yeah. like I won't I won't let. That's another thing that happens when you get in the middle of stimulus and response. You, you stop being controlled by the world. You start going, okay, I'm not going to let social media get in my head. I'm going to get in social media and get something out of it, whether it be friendships, connection, money, all kinds of things. But the average person isn't doing that. No, no. They're, just, they're like enslaved to the platform, sort of. It's constantly scrolling. <laughs> and scroll. you, You're not even aware like, I, I was on my phone, I think, like, five hours a day at one point during the pandemic. Wow. yeah. Like, and, you know, on the iPhone, there's the uh, screen time. It, it tracks in the background the screen time. Imagine that. Imagine, like, you know, we because, and then you get the number of pickups, too. You have uh, 500 pickups or 200 pickups today or whatever. Like, imagine if you spent five hours just, like, at one, in one go, <laughs> but it's never in one go. It's, it's ne- always it's like little hits of dopamine. What it's just it's always scroll, scroll, scroll. Anyway, um, the point is, is if you can make social media work for you rather than you know subconsciously like just like fucking scrolling Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, whatever all the time, that's an important thing, particularly for young people. Like I, I really do worry um i was worried about this before the pandemic right but all these teenagers you know tween baby you see babies ipads and whatnot but like oh, all goodness. these all these teenagers back in my you probably remember this <laughs> back in my day um <laughs> how old are you uh, i'm 24 i'm 24 oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure you're a um are, are you z I'm. I think I'm Gen Z. Yeah, I missed the millennial cutoff by a, the last millennial cutoff by a couple of years, unfortunately. Yeah. So oh. I have to wear the Gen <laughs> Z badge. Um, but you know, 
you see teenager we had AIM back in the day like um, now we had AIM too I had AIM in high yeah, school yeah, yeah yeah so um, you know so it's not like oh the new generation is addicted to their phones or whatever but like I do worry about um, the ability of people to communicate and interact with each other in person um, now because you see kids walking down the hallway cafeteria whatever they're not socializing. They're just, you know, likes and clicks you and know, follows well, and whatever. That's a, totally different thing. <laughs> a story I always tell people to illustrate how different the world is. My best friends. I, I have I have five really good friends, mm-hmm. right? And and I met them. I got introduced to their social circle because because part of my, my my origin story is in, in high school. I went to a completely different high school across town. Where yeah. I didn't know anybody, and it was one of the best things that happened to me. But I, yeah. I had to make new friends, and yeah. so one day in biology class in the ninth grade, me and these, this guy we were talking about um, who was better at this video game. We talked trash for a little while, and then we said, "Let's settle it." So we went to the arcade, and the video game I believe was Marvel versus Capcom Two. Yeah. I mean, it might have been just Marvel versus Capcom Two. Might not have yeah. come out yet. But uh, we, we went and we settled it at the arcade. And at the arcade, there were other people playing. And there was a whole etiquette we had to observe where we showed up. We put a coin down on the desk to let people know who had next. And we were moving up. And, and, and there were social rules that you had to figure out in person that applied at the whole world because they were in person. And they're just, they're just not officially enforced, but we enforced them. We figured out. On our own. So I made my all my, my best friends because of a video game. True. Yeah. But, but it was in person that we dealt with it. We, we didn't go on Xbox Live or PlayStation Network. We met up in person. We got to know one another's families. Things like that. Mm. And that makes a big difference. The, the in-person interaction is, is gone. You know, we, we live in a, a rare world today. I have a, I have a girl, um, a friend that I, I... Well, she's a friend now. I dated her. And and I asked her how she met her latest boyfriend. She goes, "How else do you think?" I walked up to him. I'm not one of those other millennials. We're seeing you know, where everybody's on on you know swiping and shit. And I think that that's that's so rare because she she's like no she she's pretty smack in the millennial uh, time zone. But I wonder. I I couldn't imagine. What the dating scene is like now, if you're under, well, you do. You're, I mean, I, you're, yeah. you're a day where everybody is, is everyone swiping and matching that way? Uh, I'll be honest, I didn't, I don't really use the apps in Australia very much. <laughs> Man, um, that, your voice just sounded like the, like I, the, uh, <laughs> the wares were terrible. <laughs> no, 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 the, I don't need it in Australia. There's beautiful, oh, wow. Okay, there's beautiful, well, there you go. There's, no, there's beautiful girls everywhere, like on every street, every corner. You know, one of the running jokes I have, people say, why are you in Australia? I say, for the weather and the women. Um, and, you know, so I, I'm not I'm not a big hinge bumble guy in Australia. But when I came back to New York, I did re-download the apps. And there's, you know, you do the little swiping and all of this. Um, it... It, you know, I do it, but it, it almost feels like, I don't want to say cheating, but it feels like just not... Well, you, well, you know what it is. You know what it is? You know? Well, because because that's a thing we're missing now. 
There yeah. is something very enjoyable about meeting the new person. And, yes. and that interaction, and it, and that's and then it's gone. you know, making eye contact across the bar. Or you you know you you walk up to someone in a, in a bookshop. You're both reading the same book, or like that that's serendipity. That's spontaneity. Like how'd you meet your husband? Oh, you know we 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 both had the same pair of shoes. We both had the same <laughs> book. Right. It makes what cool that's story. a cool story. Yeah. Um, Nothing wrong with the dating apps, but uh, no, and, and, and you know, you I will know say cool. you meet people you wouldn't meet. You meet people from across town. You know, if 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 there's I don't know, there's a now there's tr public transit everywhere. But you meet, you can meet someone that you wouldn't otherwise have met. Run into. I live in New York. I live in city. Well, no, I don't live in New York. That's a lie. I live in Sydney, but I grew up in New York, and I'm in New York right now. Um, eight million people. Yeah, I get on the subway. I see people every day. I'm almost definitely never going to see those people again just because of the cycle of who, how many people moving in and out at the same time. So it is cool that you're able to connect with people from all five boroughs and, and you know, from different backgrounds and walks of life. And you get a little snapshot of who they are and what you do, which is, you know, you mentioned love is not enough, that, that that's true. You need compatibility, like... Um, yeah, lifestyle, I, lifestyle preferences, but it, it it makes it easier. But look, there's benefits to both. I personally prefer meeting people in person, but there's benefit. I don't know how we got onto this, but there's there's benefits. It's a cool both. thing to say, man. Wherever it goes, you know, yeah. I, you know, I met my girl online ten years ago yeah. when it was cool. Yeah. When it wasn't yeah. cool, I mean. But well, uh, I'm like, I'm, I'm, what did they have? A match? match uh, okay, okay, Cupid is, is how yeah. we met, right? But yeah. but there were websites originally. The original. Form of Tinder. Yeah, there was the no website, the other right? apps. Yep, and, yeah. and check it out, though, man. I always, I always tell her. Uh, speaking of that, I go, look, man, I'm gonna fall in love with you just because I spend time around you, and and like that's my brain going. Oh, you have to love this person, right? But no, no, no one makes me. And, and by, by by virtue of sex, right? Uh, spending time around a person and having sex with me, you eventually like feel a similar emotion to love over time. But yeah. no one can make you feel like. And that's why I tell her, you have to understand, I like you. And that's so much more important. That's such a bigger... Like, like you can't yeah. make me yeah. like you. Excellent <laughs> you point. Know? Excellent point. Yeah. There, there's a line from a movie. Um, what's the movie called, Ed? Oh, you know what the movie... It's on the tip of my tongue. Um, oh, fuck. Uh let me look it up. They meet once. It's with Anne Hathaway. Anne Tell Hathaway. about Anne Hathaway. Meet. Ah, I'm getting there. The movie is called One Day, and it's about these two friends who, you know, it's just sort of like a sappy rom-com, but I, I did think it was a good movie. It's about <laughs> these two friends in college, um, and for one day a year they meet, and it goes over like 20 years of their friendship. Oh, wow. They, they, like, sort of hooked up in college. They didn't end up sleeping together. They, like, made out in college. And there's always, like, a romantic spark, kind of. And they go in completely separate uh, directions. And they live in different cities and walks of life. But one day every year, it's their tradition, Dexter and Emma, they meet each other. Um, and, you know, one of the lines from the movie, anyway, is... Um, He's all like, um, I don't know if he's using coconut, but he's all like coked up and drinking, and he's, he's sort of becoming. He's this famous like television presenter, like a, a Tucker Carlson type, um, or, or, or not Tucker, like a Ryan Seacrest type guy, um, and 
and she says, I love you, Dex. I just don't like you anymore. Um, and then, no, but it's a good look. have this beautiful friendship, and you got to hold your friends accountable. You know, I... I should probably shouldn't say this on a podcast, but the other day I went to hang out with some friends from New York um, who I hadn't seen in a couple of years. I, I, I this is my first time back in America in two and a half years. Okay. Um, and one of my friends uh, had just I didn't like the way he was behaving. I didn't really like what he had become, sort of. Um, drinking a lot, uh, doing other things that I didn't approve. Of. I, I didn't like the lifestyle that, that he was leading and, and not because I didn't approve of it or I'm it, judging him it for just it. Didn't. I didn't think it was healthy for him Yeah. and I didn't think he's my, he's my boy. He's my friend. Right. And so I'm going to say to him, I'm going to say like, man, uh, you know, I don't think this is good for you. I don't think this girl you're dating is particularly good for you. And I think you should you should check yourself a little bit. Um, this is this is headed in not a good direction. Everything about what's going on here, you know, this is a downward spiral. Um, and it only it, it can only end in one of three or four ways, none of which are particularly pleasant. Um, and how do you take that? Hard. I haven't said it to him yet. I'm thinking oh. about it, which is why I'm sitting here hesitating. Well, well let, let me, let me, you know. <laughs> I think I'm going to because if you really care about your friends, you know, you gotta hold them accountable for for their shit, you know. And yeah. you have to risk. You have to risk. This is this is going to risk ending the friendship, or and, and, or, or or putting putting a, a wrench into the gears. But I'm willing to accept that risk. Because I think the long-term benefits will, you know, pay off. And one day he'll thank me. Well, you know? not only that, look at it this way. And this is a very simple, um, once I, I adopted this metric and really thought it through, uh, my, my choice on whether I should say something to my friends became incredibly simple. You have to think of it this way. It, whenever your friends are doing something that you don't approve of, and 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 it's you don't approve of it because it's like dangerous or unhealthy, or you think there's a really it's going to turn out really badly, uh, you have to say something to them because uh, if you if you don't, well, one that that will continue with them, but two, they're going to consider you an ally or at the very least. Um, Enabler is probably the wrong word, but it's the closest one I have. Unless you cut them off and stop hanging out. And then they'll be like, oh, man, that guy, uh, fuck him. I, because they don't understand why you left. They don't mm -hmm. understand why you cut them off. But if you go and you, you sternly talk to them, uh, you, you may, you probably will lose the friendship in the short term. In the long term, if they ever get their head right, you're going to be the person that they think. They, they, they had the balls and they will appreciate you saying that. One of the things I always talk about with my sobriety is, and, and I don't hold any of my friends accountable, but I'm aware of this. Uh, I go, you know, I wish, I just wish somebody at one point sat me down and said, dude, your behavior last night was out of hand or your drinking's getting out of hand. Any, like anything. But I never got that. 
Okay, and yeah. I don't blame them because that's most people won't do that. But I, but but after I I got right when I saw that behavior in somebody else, I made sure I pointed it out. Because at the end of the day, like you, your time is finite, right? You know, and and you don't want to if you if you can help someone and maintain your time, then I think that's a really good a, a good kind of exchange uh, as it goes. And and the risk is small because think of it, you're not going to be their friend anyway if they're doing that dumb shit. Yeah, <laughs> you know. It was, it's true. It got to the point I didn't enjoy being around um being around this person this this behavior. Um and so uh that, that you you you're right. Um you either say something or you don't, but if you don't, then you're not going to want to spend time with the person in the first place. So Yeah. You it's simple math. Um when is violence justified? You're an army veteran. You're a former heavyweight boxer. You know, some people say self-defense. You know, some some guy breaks into your house, whatever. You you got to protect your, your man. Wife and look, kids. I'm look. I just you have a better understanding of violence and the controlled use of violence in something like boxing, um, or you know, in the army. You learn all about how to how to you know combat operations. Um, when is violence justified? Ed? My thought process is, as the initiator, violence is never uh, justified. I, I I just don't see how we we don't need it now. Th- that means then if you're reacting, yeah, if you have to stop somebody from causing harm, if they have broken the the the, the treaty and they've decided that they're going to initiate violence first, then yeah, you have a you have a responsibility. To be capable of of defending yourself and stopping the threat, and it's unfortunate that that that's why you why I, I mean you want to talk about why one trains? Well, because there's a lot of evil people in the world, man, and they're they're gonna take advantage of you and they're gonna hurt you if they can and get what they want. But if if you look like you're a, a hard target and you are a hard target then life is going to be a lot different. One of the cool things I think about Australia is that they, they've been able to achieve, like, no guns, right? Is that, that, that more or less accurate? That they're uh, all... th- Yeah, I mean... Yeah, so, so, that means, so, yeah. so what that means, though, is that if somebody... I have no idea, like, what the fight, the street fight culture is in Australia. Uh, but I know... That whatever it looks like, it doesn't escalate to gun gunfight. You know, play most of the time. Yeah. In the states, I gotta be careful if somebody starts talking out of their ass to me because I'm like, okay, like I'll tell you a story. I was walking in a Best Buy a few years ago, and I walked by this dude. Dude must have been like five seven, five eight, maybe 150 pounds wet, and he was with his girl. And he looked at me. His girl was dressed like a bit of a hoochie, but he looked at me and was like, "Yo, what the fuck is you looking at?" And my first thought was. This dude is like almost half of me, and he's going to talk to me like that. He's got a gun. And even if he doesn't, like, what am I going to yeah. do? Argue with this kid? But but that changes the dynamic. So you got to, yeah. so, so violence is never justified as the first initiator, or as the initiator. First initiator is redundant. Uh, well, you learn the hard way living, living in America that <laughs> um, it's never justified. You should never be an initiator to begin with, but also. 
you know, keep your fucking head down because, or, or, or just say, look, sorry, my bad. I, you know, I, I, I didn't mean to bump into you because you don't know if a guy is strapped. You don't know if, if you don't if know. Anything. It, dude, yeah. it is so crazy because like, like there's this whole thing that floats around, you know, an armed society is a polite society. I used to really fully believe At, that. In, in what society? An armed, armed society is a polite one. Oh, an armed, unarmed society. Yeah, and like, and armed, not unarmed. My bad. Uh, I understand. Uh, <laughs> it's the same. It's it's you know mutually assured destruction. Yeah, everyone has and, and I I, I get it, that. but yeah. but that that premise relies on sane individuals. It relies on the human being emotionally even killed. and uh, it, uh, it it just doesn't work that way, in my opinion. Don't don't. <laughs> Fuck with people. <laughs> it's the message. Well, well so, look. Sometimes you have to fuck with. Sometimes you have to put your foot down, and say, "Look, man, this this isn't gonna fight." Some guys being weird with a girl in a bar or something. You yeah, know, you intervene. But I think the important okay, right? So you you look, just you just pointed out another one too. That like you know, if if you have to stop, like like a kidnapping or harassment, and the guy, yeah, then you might have to knock somebody out, right? But yeah. like. <laughs> Other than that. Fair enough. Yeah. Protecting yourself at the aggression of others and protecting those who are incapable of protecting themselves. Yeah. You know, or who can't, you know, um, whatever. If I see some guy slip something in a girl's drink, you can bet your ass I'm slamming you, his head you into gotta the You got to do something. I mean, that's a, the, I've never, you know, I've never seen that. I've never been in this situation, <laughs> but I, I'll get, yeah. I don't care if he's seven feet tall. Like you, you got to do. I'll get the, you know, get the security. You got to do something. There, there are situations where you have to intervene. But I think the point that you're making is that um, don't go looking for trouble. Yeah. A lot of people like you had a bad day. Something happened. Don't go looking for trouble. What I mean, I uh, one piece of advice that you know I, I I have in work is if you're ever unsure about an email. Right, wait twenty four hours. Don't yep. just send it. I send fucking. <laughs> I, I send so many emails. I'm a, I'm an editor at a at an international magazine. I email people all the fucking time. You know, people they they send criticism. My when my book came out, it it, it copped a bunch of flack, and it's like, you, you know, you, you want to respond to the haters, or you wanna you wanna maybe send uh, whatever. Wait. See how you feel in a day. Not what's what's the harm, you know? Unless there's some crazy deadline, like, um, wait. Yeah. Because oftentimes, and then if you still want to send it, great. But then you're sure that you do. Otherwise, you're gonna send there, kicking yourself. You know, I'll give you an example. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so this guy, I I I, I write profiles on people can, can i can i pause yeah. you for just a minute yeah. yeah bro i didn't know that i just when you said when your book dropped so i just like went and looked you up man you're like a real badass man <laughs> holy shit i'm not, I'm just reading your author biography i'm sure like on, on on amazon i'm sure that like you know the the regular listeners know all this but Wow, man! All these awards and you, man, you're like, a, like I think I'm a writer, man. But you, you're a fucking writer, man. Like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I uh, thanks, dude. Thank you. 
But yeah, that's that's, that's, I, I just wanted to like. I mean, your memoirs got 145 reviews, man. I, my nonfiction ain't. I mean, it's, it's close, but <laughs> that's awesome. Look, if I uh, if I could be a race car driver, maybe I would. But, uh, <laughs> this 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 pays the bills, and I enjoy doing it. So, um, but thanks. No, I it means a lot. I appreciate that. Thank you, Ed. Um, no problem. Here's a here's a funny story of 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 waiting 24 hours to send an email, or in this case, physical mail. I write articles um, for tech companies sometimes and you know someone asked me to write up this profile this guy um and i wrote up the profile of the guy and you know not to be arrogant but this was a great profile this was not an interesting person and i made made him look very interesting i made him look like you know the fucking bee's knees um and he wrote me this nasty email because you know i send the profiles i write of people are generally quite celebratory i'm not a muckraker i don't like do hit pieces on people um maybe the if if one needs to be done like about someone (laughs) who's like hurting other people that's that's one thing but like i don't I, i don't generally go out trying to make people look bad i wrote this really nice flattering article of it was it was a portrait of him right for this it doesn't matter who um and it doesn't matter who i was writing it for or who i was profiling um but he sends me this nasty email. This is way too over the top and colorful, and nobody in my industry is gonna like this. This is so boring. It's like nobody in your industry gonna like. It. I sent this to like five people in your industry, and they all said it's you know is super cool and interesting and fun. Um, he's just used to writing like boring ad copy all the time, and you know you have you bring in a real writer to write something, and he's like this is you know. Anyway, he had no appreciation for the flair. So, this guy um, is bald. He's completely bald. Um, and he has been for a long time. You look him up on Google, he's nice, shiny head. Um, you know, a bit of a chrome dome situation. And I, upon getting this email to him, was very close to shipping him a bottle of Rogaine. Wow. Um, with, a li- with a little note <laughs> that said, sorry you didn't like my article. Hopefully this helps. Um, and sending it to him. That's no, that's ridiculous. Hell, yeah, it's funny, but it's cheeky. It's immature. You know, it shows that I don't take feedback well because I have a, you know, a public presence on the internet. He has a public presence. And so, you know, we have lots of followers and stuff. And, and then it's become a thing. And Scott Newman, what do you think? What's going to happen? It's going to be like, Scott Newman doesn't be... take feedback well. Or Scott, Scott Newman uh, can't accept when, you know, he, or he's so, he thinks he's such a good writer, he can't accept when someone doesn't like it. Um, the truth is, like, it would have been hilarious. And I still might do it in, like, five or ten years. <laughs> but um, I just decided, like, I'm not going to, look, this is, this is funny as fuck. But um, probably, it's also mean. What if the guy's insecure about being bald? Um, I don't know. Like, yeah, dude, maybe, you, maybe you know what? I, 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 my girlfriend has really helped me. Girl, fiance, I, you know, whatever. The, the woman in my life uh, has has really been a great example of that. I watch her do it a lot with emails, and she's not even like, I'm not even close to volatile, but she'll write it out and then go, all right, I'm going to sit on this and come back and make sure this is polite, and then and then get our feedback 
And I'd be like, oh, yeah, I think that's good. And her sister goes, I think that's good. You might want to change that. But but it really is, that's a great example of, like, getting in between the <laughs> the the emotion and the response, the stimulus yeah. and the response. One thing you write a lot about is, you know, victimhood mentality and breaking out of victimhood mentality. Um, it's It's very easy and appealing for, you know, to to sort of point the figure saying the the world is unfair and a lot of like the world is unfair and it's cruel and it's indifferent and you had it you know you had it rougher than than most growing up and yet you know look at what you've done you you've built this great life for yourself so my question for you is that one thing i find to be especially cruel and unfair is to tell young people like teenagers, uh, particularly young black teenagers, that like no matter how hard they work, what they accomplish, um, you know how much effort they put in, the system will always be stacked against them. Now it's being told to you know like LGBTQ kids as well. It's this. I mean, a lot of young people today are they're 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 sort of told that the world is out to get them and there's nothing they can do about it and they, they shouldn't even try because the system is so disproportionately stacked against them. And w one of the things I really like about what you write is you acknowledge, yes, some things in the world are out of your control, some things in the world are shitty, but, like, what are you going to do about it? You know, tend to your own garden, bootstrap your way up. And talk talk to me a little bit about this. I mean, it's a running theme that I see in your tweets and your uh, Instagram posts. Yeah, man. Because here's the thing, and one of the things that I realized early on is that no one's coming to save me, and and I and I recognize that, and I know that uh, once what once I recognized that no one was coming to save me, then I could decide. Okay, do we want to stay in this life or do we want to get a better one but but that recognition let me or allowed me to formulate ways to make it happen i wasn't sitting around waiting for, for a thing to change and i would not complain i've never been a complainer i never will be and and i would not just be passive in my life it made me an active participant in in my future but it all comes from seeing initially that no one was ever going to be there for me and and I don't think that response is normal. I, I was talking to somebody about this yesterday. That I'm I'm a great example of a survivor's bias. If if you look at how things have gone my way, and people go, oh, look at what Ed has done with his life. Why don't you do the same thing? And I got and then I look back, man, because I still got some family in that area, and I and I, I see it. And I'm just like, it, it, I, if only it was as easy as being me. Like you, can, But you're not going to be me. You're not going to replicate me. You're not going to replicate my reactions. But that doesn't mean you can't take my mindset. And that is a, the most important thing. The That mindset of ownership, of owning the the outcome. That's that's all I did is as I I know that or I knew that you know nothing was ever going to be given to me. Uh, I I experienced too much lack to believe otherwise. I never got a chance to really just believe that life was all hunky dory like kids do. Uh and so I was confronted with reality really early. 
Mm. So, so being confronted with reality, that makes you, <laughs> you, you ever see a matrix? This is one of my favorite analogies, man. And, and that scene when Cypher's trying to go back in the matrix mm. and he's like, you know, I'm tired of this. I want food that tastes like food, you know, and stuff like that. He, he wants to believe the lie because the lie is really comfortable, mm. right? It's a lot more comfortable than the truth. But I never got a chance to embrace the lie, man. And, and that's just, just where it goes. And one of the pieces of advice of advice I give people is is that you have to not you have to develop an unflinchingly close relationship with the reality of your situation. If if you do that, you've got a pretty good chance of changing it. But until you get out of delusion, you don't know what even what to attack. You don't even know mm. what to do. That's the real danger of, of that uh, delusion is that you you don't you never pay attention to the real enemy. That's a great point. That's an excellent so, point. Um, all right, Ed, favorite movie? Man on Fire. Man on Fire. Favorite book? Oh man, F- fiction or nonfiction? Both. <laughs> favorite nonfiction book is A Course in Miracles, Todd with Art of Learning by Josh Whiteskin. A Course in Miracles is about forgiveness. Favorite fiction book I've read so far. Uh, I'm, I'm really digging Elmore Leonard stuff. Uh, mm. Elmore Leonard and 310 to Yuma has been pretty good. Uh, that's a short story, full book, probably Michael Crichton's Power of Latitudes. Mm-hmm. Cool. Best piece of advice you've been given? I've been given. Yeah, uh, not that you've told me <laughs> that you've been given. Uh, my, my coach. Any, any time in your life. Oh, uh, dude, I, I'll tell you, the, my coach, my boxing coach said to me, um, when we were training and just, you know, sticking to it and just being miserable, he said, good things take a while. Bad things, bad things happen quickly. Good things tend to take a while. That's powerful and true. You've been yeah. In the fucking boxing gym <laughs> and being, you know, in life, working towards your career. Good things take a while. They, yeah. they really do. <laughs> All right. Well, Ed Lattimore, thank you so much for coming on to 27 Roots. It's been a pleasure. Hey, no problem, man. No problem.